Do Your Part Hits the Road. I'm in Altadena with Mr. Byron Miller, also known as Psycho Bass. We're going to talk about Soweto, Bill Clinton, Luther Vandross, Detroit, lots in this podcast. Stick with us. Everything is fueled from me wanting to be a better person on earth. It's time to do your part. I don't want you to dream. I want you to do. Tap into the conversation. Check one, two. As we cover the latest issues affecting our communities and the world. It is absolutely vital that the truth comes out. Resolve your unconscious bias and grow from firsthand experiences. Is your mind truly free or is it caged? This is Do Your Part with Brian Gallo. Do your part hits the road. We are in Altadena here in LA County, and I'm joined with my uncle, not my blood uncle, but he's my uncle Byron Miller. Google him if you don't they, know who he is. They didn't have to know I wasn't your blood. Well, that's true, but you know, I want to be honest. This interview is officially over. No, stop. This is our family. These are our family and friends. We want to be honest and transparent with them. How you doing? Man, it's been a minute, man. It's been a lot. It's been a Long minute. You know I miss you. I love you. I love you too. That's real talk. I know, and I'm glad I'm here. That's real talk. I have to call you and, and hunt you down and do stuff. Oh, you're so dramatic. But look, you I'm, know, it's all good. It's good to be home with you, and it has Big been ass too Mike, long. Man, you got equipment. Look at you. Listen, speaking of equipment, we're in his studio where uh, a lot of uh, heat is pumped out of. I mean, you are. We're going to talk about what you do in a minute. But let me ask you this. When I asked you to sit down with me, you didn't hesitate. Always my first question with guests. Why did you say yes? You family. I, I'm not going to say no. And plus, I love to talk. And I love to be on camera. Because I'm kind of handsome. Oh, boy. You Here know, for older dude. Here we go. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to uh, get him serious for you all in a minute. But I don't know if he can be, actually. <clears throat> you know what? Always been Life is it's really hard right now. You know, mm -hmm. you need to, sometimes you need to, not be serious. Yeah. But I get down with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is life harder now than it was, say, in the 60s or 70s? Or is it the oh, same? Or? Um, it's the same. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. No. It's just a different year. Did you think that, uh, looking into the future at, in those years, did you think that there would be change? Or was this no surprise to you? I thought that we would see change when Obama was elected. Uh-huh. But I should have no known better. Yeah. Because... Nothing changed. They didn't let him do anything. You know, a lot of black people say that he didn't do anything for black people. Do you have anything to say about that? He, they didn't let him do anything for black people. Yeah, that's an interesting outlook. Yeah. No, he, um, Obama's a good dude. Mm -hmm. I wish he would have had 16 years. Mm -hmm. He would have changed some stuff. They didn't let him do stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, he couldn't even, uh, he couldn't elect a judge when he was going out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, dude over there now can. Yeah. That tells it all in a nutshell. Yeah. It's interesting because as I grew up, you know, under Reagan and Clinton and all of these different presidents, the one thing that they all kind of had in common. You were, what, teenager? I was uh, preteen. I'm 43. I was like, yeah, I was young teens. You, Quit playing. Hold on. I want to lose my thought. But I, the one thing that they all had in common, listen, the one thing they all had in common was that they had some sort of sense of compassion towards people. Am I right? No. No. No, they they had to be like that on camera. Mm -hmm. But what do you think the dinners were like with the families and and the words that were used in the real? Come on, man, yeah. it's, it has not changed. And let's talk about your upbringing. I know you're from Detroit. I want to hear your backstory. I want to hear about from little Byron to medium Byron to big Byron. I'm I'm psycho based now. Though. That's right. Sorry, psycho yeah. based. Little Byron. I grew up in. 
Hard time, Mississippi. <laughs> I grew up in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, there we go. In the, uh, I was born in '54. You know, I was in the 1967 riots in Detroit, where we lived on Tuxedo and Hamilton. It's four of us and my mama. We had to get un up under the bed because the National Guards blew off the top of the apartment building on the corner because there were snipers shooting at the police. We had bullet holes in our house in Detroit in the riots. In 67. Jesus. Yes, I was, a, a I was just a little kid, man. You know, um, my older brother, I think he got arrested for protesting. Mm -hmm. This protest thing is not new. Not new at all. No, but it's different now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that, though. I'm excited to get into that. Yeah. So this is one of your oldest memories as far as just kind of seeing just, what the world is like. Yeah, just, I mean, you, you asked me, has it changed? It has not changed. Mm -hmm. In my 66 years mm -hmm. that I remember, it has not changed. Um, do we suppose, you know, we might have more opportunities to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Those of us who are educated, who parents gave a shit, mm -hmm. but if you go to the hood right now, you would think that you're back in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. They're not doing, they don't have internet. I have a, I'm, I'm working on a program now, the Byron Miller uh, Fund for the Hood. Mm -hmm. We're working on getting internet for the kids who have to do homeschooling. In 2020? Yeah. I seen kids sitting outside of Starbucks on their phones doing their homework. Wow. So nothing has changed. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's uh, been a lot of conversation uh, as far as black people all having opportunity, they just choose not to find it. And I always say that, you know, th they, a lot of people say there's no such thing as the oppressed black person, and I laugh at that, it's offensive. What do you have to say to that? No, there, there are oppressed black people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, everybody's different. You know, some of us are raised with parents that are like, no, I'm going to raise you and teach you how to get out of this. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to sit in your own stink if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's comfortable for you, you know. And a lot of times when you're young, you get caught up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the people you run with. You get caught up and you're, you're there. When I go back to Detroit, there's still brothers that never been on an airplane, mm -hmm. never been off the block. And that's still going on. These these cats are 50, 60 years old. How much of that is choice and how much of that is circumstance? <clears throat> um, I would say it's 50-50. Okay, I like that answer. I think that that's right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I have a lot of people, as far as conversation is concerned, tell me, you know, you seem to be well-achieved and accomplished. Like, why can't people be like you? And I'm like, because I'm, we're not all the same, and my circumstances were different. I did have a little bit of a leg up, just as far as where I was raised. Um, speaking of race, so let's go back to Detroit. So, roof blown off, uh, National Guard coming in and just turning this into a war zone. What else? Um, Tell me more about Detroit and just Detroit was a, a hard place, but a good place to grow up in, especially being a musician. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, I didn't start playing until later years. But was it segregated when you were young? Yes, got it. Yes, but I grew up in this a, a city right in the middle of Detroit called Highland Park, hmm. where it was white and blacks. So we went to school together, so we were, we didn't we didn't have to be bused. Mm -hmm. We had our own mayor. 
We had our own police department. Um, it was, sounds like it was a progressive area for the time. For the time, yeah. Uh, but it was still a lot of crazy, crazy going on. A, a principal of our high school got uh, Sheila Warren pregnant. Um, a student? Was, yeah, in my class. <gasps> Sheila Warren pregnant, and he did time in the Sheila. pen. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget it because I had a crush on Sheila. She was fine, too. <laughs> she was bow-legged, had a big old booty. Well, apparently if the principal's trying to get at her. Right? Damon White, got it. Wow. Yeah, so uh, that's hood talk, though. Yeah. You know, Yeah. I'm sure it still happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I just seen a white girl got locked up for having sex with, with one of her students. Yeah, happens often. Yeah. And that's just the ones we know about, you know? Yeah. I ain't gonna tell you about my teachers. Oh jeez, I know. I already, <laughs> we know how much swag you possess, so I can only imagine. But go on. No, so Detroit was uh, it was a murder capital of the world when I was growing up there. Wow. Um, more more people died, especially black on black crime. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the police were shooting and beating cats. Mm-hmm. So when I, and we'll go back to like I said, nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the difference is cell phones. We're seeing it now. Mm-hmm. Back then, they didn't have cell phones. Right. Will Smith mentioned that, and I think that that's the common denominator, is now things are actually being uh, captured on video. And they still don't give a shit. No, you're right. If people, they just want to try to uh, defend it. It's very, it's very bizarre. Yeah. Instead of just seeing things for what they are and saying, wow, that's really shitty. It's like, well, you know, maybe he didn't comply. Or, oh, well, maybe he didn't. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter right. the backstory or the, oh, you know, George Floyd. Well, he was a bad person. And uh, everybody has a past. That doesn't, that doesn't take away from the action. Right. Um, what about racism and as far as you growing up in Highland Park? If, dealing with white folks, it sounds like you might have had an easier experience than a lot of people at that no, time. No, it was still, no. No, still, still being black in Detroit. Um, quick story is in when I was in junior high, um, mostly black school, gym class, they made all the brothers, we had to take swim classes, but they made all the brothers swim in the nude. We could not wear swimsuits. Are you kidding me? It was me? not allowed. Then the gym teacher would go through, after you know you get, out, you get in the shower and you wash off the chlorine, he would come in and take his finger and rub your ankle to see if you had washed your ankles. Now, you know, if you're dark-skinned and you rub hard enough, you're going to see the skin. Yes. Some cats he would have in there for 45 minutes trying to wash off. That's racism. It's crazy. He would. He might have got. He might get arrested nowadays. Yeah. That was in my junior Ferris High School. This never got out in the media. This was no parents. You never told your parents. Nobody ever thought this oh, was an issue. Parents knew. They they knew. But you know, my my mom was at work from seven in the morning to six at night, mm-hmm. raising four kids. My dad was a Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. so she raised four of us. And might might I add. All my sisters and brothers went to college but me. My mom was one of the first black women to graduate from the University of Michigan. So we're all educated. I'm probably the dumbest one. (laughs) I would imagine you're the most established one, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah, because I have uh, notoriety. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I'm, I, I don't think I'm as smart as they are book-wise. Well, it's all about perception. I got street, right? street sense, though. Yeah, I know you do. And as far as books, you've got books all over this place. So that's, that's another conversation. I, I don't read them. <laughs> I cannot believe I cannot believe that story you just told me. That's going to stick with me forever, and that is incredibly. Oh, the uh, the brothers swimming naked. That's unbelievable. Oh no, they wouldn't let us wear swimsuits, and if it wasn't the ankle, it was the wrist. They would rub it, and if dirt came off, you had to go back in the shower. And this is a place where you're supposed to learn. This is a place of education. Yeah, and if you were late to your next class, it's because you didn't you didn't wash up and shower after after swim. All right, move on from that. That's gonna that's breaking my heart. Go on. Really? Yes. That's, come on. The, again, the, I know it's part of the experience, but it's another example of how you know people say, "Oh, animals." It's like well, we're being treated like animals. How dare anybody do that? How dare you use your sadistic, um, you know, feelings to, and and use them on kids of any color? Yeah, let alone... that was in the sixties. Okay. Yeah. So go on, move on. So so how, tell me more about high school. Um, that was junior high. High school. High school was interesting because um, as a freshman, I played sports. I played football, and I broke my foot. So I don't know. My mom's name was Frederica. Where she got the inkling to stop at the music store and buy this old raggedy bass and just hand it to me. Just hand it to me. Wow. So I couldn't play football no more, so I played this bass all the time. Mm -hmm. I went to take music in high school they said no you're too old to start playing music here you should have started in grade school so they wouldn't let me take music just a no yeah but they put me in 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 that high school hall of fame in music <laughs> of course they did <laughs> yeah and had me come talk to the music class of course they did you know i told the truth as you should have, yeah. time and time again. Yeah. You know, I, let me, this is kind of a left field, left turn question, but as you've gotten older, all of these people that have kind of affected you in negative ways, did you ever uh, get back at them? Like when you went back to the school, did any of those music teachers, were they there? Or, you nah, know what I mean? Anything nah, like I that? Just kept, I kept moving, pushing forward. Yeah. And they kept calling and asking me to do stuff for the, for the school and for the city. And, you would and I kept doing it. Yeah. Why no resentment? Why didn't you have resentment? Because I know there's a bunch of kids there that probably going through worse, and they need to hear a positive story. Mm -hmm. They need to see a brother that went through, that did the same thing they did, mm -hmm. make it. Yeah. That's the only. That's the only hope they have. That's why TV is so important. Mm -hmm. Athletes are so important. They want to see a brother that made it. Mm -hmm. You know, from where they're from. Yeah, that's why Obama was so important for these black kids to know. Oh, I could do that. There's some brothers say, "Well, he didn't really do nothing." Okay, I don't know. He did. The no. list is, is 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 too long for the things that he's done for this nation. Pretty much, <clears throat> yeah. And I'm not necessarily just reducing that to politics. Um, did you think that you would see a black president in your lifetime? No, no. But you know. It made me happy because my mom was still living. Ah. And I cried with her. Yeah. She was able to see that. That was what was important to me. I wonder what that must have been like for her. Talk oh, about. Oh. I mean, and she, she had Parkinson's and she really didn't couldn't talk that well mm -hmm. at that time, but she had tears in her eyes. Yeah, yeah. You know, to see that made me made me happy. And I think what's going on right now with Trump is it's just get back. 
Oh, completely. It's, 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 oh, isn't it obvious? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a get back move. Well, it's obvious when he's taking away needed programs and, you know, situations that are already in place that are to help people and he's stripping them. Because it's obvious that he's Obamacare just being a baby. Obamacare is on his way out. Yeah, Pre-existing conditions. Let's call it the Affordable Care Act because when you call it Obamacare, right, that's... Well, what, well... No, 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 I agree with you. It you is gotta Obamacare. call it what it is, though. Right, but when people who are ignorant or don't quite understand that they're two in the same, you know, and the benefit of it, you know, when you hear Obamacare, there's that division again, right? Okay. I'm not saying with us. I'm just saying in general. Okay, let me ask you a question. So oh, yes. you change yeah. the name. You change the name. Yeah. Is that going to make them keep it? I think that um, the answer is no, because as we said, we, we So then we're back Trump to Obamacare. Just, well, yeah, okay. Okay. But I think as far as Trump trying to unravel everything, correct. I think that it's that wouldn't change. But I think that for a lot of people, say in the Midwest, who uh, were like "fuck Obama" and "fuck Obamacare," but were receiving benefits from the Affordable Care Act, they're the ones who um, need to hear this conversation. That don't understand still to this date that they are two in the same. Yeah, it's there to benefit them. But that's another conversation. Um, all right. So I don't want you to have to continue to go into what we call doom and gloom of your life, but. Uh, move from you know you playing the bass and in Detroit and how that brought you to where you are now. I want to hear about all of what you've done because you've traveled the world thirty times over. You've played with some of the biggest legends, living legends, icons. Talk about that. The best thing I ever did was I played at this club called Red, White, Blue, <laughs> and that's where that's I met my met. wife. Stop now. Yeah. yeah. I knew you. I didn't know Christine. Did, I, I, inter- did I introduce you guys? No. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. I did. No. no. Remember the doctor that used to come in there? He used to come in there. What was his name? I can't tell. He used to come in there every time we played. Mm-hmm. He brought Christine. Mm-hmm. And uh, He brought you once? Well, I remember, when, well, you first, I remember when you first met her and you were like, oh, I met this girl. She is bad. She's bad. I love her. She's bad. And then here we are now today. I said all of that. Yeah, you were totally, you were totally into her for I don't whatever years now. But uh, all right, back. So I'm I'm in Detroit in high school, Mm -hmm. um, teaching myself how to play bass, sneaking in clubs with grown folks, sitting in playing jazz music. Roy Ayers comes to town. I'm 17. I sneak in the club, and I get to Roy, and I say. Can I sit in with you? He's like, what are you even doing in here? Right. I said, you don't know my music. I said, I know every song you ever did. He said, come on. Oh, my God. I've never heard this story. He said, come on. He let me up on stage, and I was uh, I played the whole set. I knew all the songs. Oh, my God. It's like a dream, it's like a dream come true. The day after I turned, when I turned 18, yeah. he sent me an airplane ticket. Come join the band. My dad said, you ain't going nowhere. My mom said, put your stuff in the car. I'll drive you to the airport. Oh, my God. I'm mind blown right now. Go ahead. I never knew I this. never told you that story? Nope. I love Royers. He's in my phone. I yeah. Mean, that guy is just, go ahead. That's where it started. Roy, I, t- I learned, the first part of my professional career was with Royers learning music. So he's and like, I, he was like a father to you then. Yeah. Crazy father, but. Most fathers where I came from were crazy anyway. Well, Mine included yeah, yeah, yeah. with his crazy ass. But um, so I went from Detroit making $250 a week with Royers. Mm-hmm. Which was a lot then. Yeah. yeah, I was having a ball. Yeah. 
uh, played with Roy for a year and a half, recorded three records, and was playing up in Seattle, Washington at a club called the Pioneer Bank. Mm-hmm. It's an old bank. They turned this, this old bank into a jazz club. Mm-hmm. So I'm playing in this club, and this, this guitar player, this drummer, and the road manager came to check out Roy Ayers. So the guitar player was Carlos Santana. The drummer was Indugo Chancellor, who ended up being my, my best friend. Right, rest in peace. Yes, and, and the road manager. They heard me play, and just so happened that after the show, Indugo was in the room next to me in the hotel. So we were right next to each other. So we're going, putting our key in the, in the door, and he's going in the door. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, you you bad, man. They they're interested in you. Carlos wants you in the band. So two weeks later, I get a call to join Santana. So I go from making two hundred dollars a week to making five thousand dollars a week with Santana, plus profit sharing. Meaning that we got a piece of the gate when people yeah. were coming in. I'm a little black boy from Detroit. I never heard of profit sharing, and Duke yeah. had to explain to me what it meant. Mm-hmm. So. And Roy didn't speak to me for two years after that. Because you left him. Yeah. But I had to. Yeah. That was part of the growth. Mm-hmm. You know. And then um, two years playing with Santana, George Duke called. Now, there was some, some stuff going down with Carlos Santana at that time with the with the brothers in the band. It was me and Dougal and Greg Walker, mm-hmm. you know, we had swag and stuff, and he kind of he kind of didn't dig that anymore. Mm-hmm. So he fired Greg Walker and me, mm-hmm. and because of that, Indugo quit. Ah, okay. So we went to 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 do the George Duke band, where I got my first gold record, and did. And you're still in your twenties, right? Yeah, early twenties. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it just kept happening like that. Doors just kept opening. Yeah. You just kept honing in on your craft and doing yes. a good job and doing yes. what you lived, yes. loved. Just God just kept blessing. Right. You know, and you know, the Lord knows I couldn't do nothing else but play music. Mm-hmm. I couldn't read it. I taught myself how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then when I got out here, I started doing recording sessions and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I played that, did George Duke, did all of that. George started doing records with Stanley Clark. So I had other times. So I started playing with Herbie Hancock. Then Marvin Gaye heard about me. I didn't know this. Go ahead. <laughs> so Marvin called. Hey man, I, I want you to come down and audition for the band. I said, I don't I don't do auditions. You told this to Marvin Gaye? Yeah, I said, I don't, I don't do auditions. Either if you did. want me to play the See, gig, I'll do the gig. Right. But, take me or leave. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he said, Wow, man. He said, Okay. Come on. And he heard me play. He said, I see why you don't do auditions. Yeah. Yeah, so I did Marvin's last tour before he died. I did his last tour before he died. Wow. And then... Um, and if he hadn't passed, who knows what kind of future or relationship you yeah, guys have. Yeah, right? we probably, I probably did some writing with him and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But, but Marvin, Marvin had a death wish, man. He did, he did too much coke. Really? Yeah, he, he partied way too hard, but he had a good time. I don't think I didn't know that. Oh yeah, you know he's doing records called "Sanctified Pussy" and 
all of that. Okay, I guess that's that speaks. Come volumes. on, that's yeah, it's kind of party. Did you do cocaine with him? I uh, no, not with him. Mm-hmm. All right, no, but okay, but you're being honest. No, I went to I went to Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. Uh huh. Which turns out, the same time I was there, Christine was there. We just didn't know each other. No way. Yeah, she was cooking <clears throat> on a boat or something. This was in the 70s? She was on a love boat. Love boats. This was in the 70s? Uh, yeah. Rio, Cocaine, and Christine. That should be the, the name of your next album. No, I, I don't think so. It's okay, called, ne- my next record's called Real Love. And we're going to talk a bit about um, Feeling Some Kind of Way, because that's your that newest song, release. Yeah. And Real this... Love is, go- I mean, that song is going to be on Real Love. Real Love is out now with Stevie Wonder. Uh-huh. He was just here, right? Yeah, Stevie yeah. Wonder playing harmonica. And uh, I was just with Stevie the other night. I was going over. He's doing the music to the new Malcolm X movie. Okay. And um, he has a talking part for me because of my, the deepness in my that's throat. That's right. And, you know. Yeah. I really could be on radio. Well, or voiceover. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say video or TV, but definitely uh, voice. I could really probably take your job. But you <laughs> have personality. Feel it himself. I, think no, so. I love you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, uh, wow. Okay. Continue. So where we're at. Um, so, so, so you left off at Marvin Gaye. And Marvin then Gaye. Yeah, away. so Marvin died. Marvin died. So there was two years where I was just doing recording sessions. Mm-hmm. And then I get a call from Marcus Miller, great bass player. Okay. The other bass player, Marcus Miller. And he said, hey man, um, Luther Vandross just fired his bass player. I don't know what you're doing, but can I can I give him your number? I said, uh, okay. So Nat Early Jr. called the musical director. Mm-hmm. I wanna fly you to New York. If you can, if you're able, if you're available, the gig is yours. No audition, nothing. no meeting, nothing. I don't do auditions, right? So I got the gig right away, and um, the next sixteen years I played with Luther until he died. So your longest gig ever was with Luther. With Luther Vandross, sixteen years. Sixteen years. Okay, go on. Um, wow. So this was like, he was like family. Yeah, still is family. He. That must have been hard when he passed. For oh, it's still, you know, it's it's gotten easier. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, Luther loved my kids. He flew from New York to get Pilar and Chelsea diamond earrings on Christmas Eve. He, wow. Gave them the earrings, got back on the plane, and went back home. That doesn't get more family No, it's that. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Actually, family that you like. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, he was family. So, I did that for 16 years. Um. Then not long after, then I started, then I was just here in in Pasadena. I started doing the jam session thing because I wanted to keep my chops up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think I did a record that really didn't do anything right after that. Things got kind of hard, you know, the gigs wasn't coming in like I wanted them to. And, um, and um, then I started doing the Red, White, and Blues where I met you and mm-hmm. met a lot of great people. Mm-hmm. And brought a lot of great people in. Yeah. A lot of famous people. And, um, you know, met my wife, got married, mm-hmm. and we kind of put our put our love together and, and bought this house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know how I talked her into letting me do this studio. We did the <laughs> studio. And then I started doing my own records. Yeah. I did the first Psycho Bass record here. Did okay. 
Mm-hmm. My last record did really well, which is paying for this this record now, mm-hmm. which is the the single is climbing the charts. It's gonna be number one. Nice. And what's the name of the single? Real Love, and it's featuring Stevie Wonder and Walter Beasley. This is huge. Yeah, Real Love is a song dedicated to my grandkids. Wow. Yeah. And your nephew. Because when they look at you, you get real love. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing more real. Nothing no, it's more nothing more that. real than that. I like that. Yeah. Um, I am a fan of SiriusXM. This is not like a free plug, or maybe it is, but uh, you see his music on SiriusXM. Is it sounds? What channel are you on? You're on jazz. You're on like three it's different. It's watercolors. Watercolors. I was going to say sound. Wait, what's the number? 66. Is it 66? Well, yeah. You better know that. So yeah. if you have SiriusXM and you uh, tune into 66, you'll hear a lot of its music, but also like download it. Go to iTunes. iTunes, uh, Spotify. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you already hear Amazon. a lot of this background. You know, it's going to be more than quality. So, what's interesting about you is you're—I don't want to use the word savant, but it's like you're a bit of a prodigy in a sense. Like as far as what you do, I mean, the fact that these names are coming to you speaks volumes about the talent that you possess. Do you see yourself as kind of this musical prodigy, or no? You know what? I and obviously my mom's seen it. I had a gift. Yes, which was the name of my last record. I so I just use that gift to, you know, when you can't do, when the only thing that you can do is what you know you can do, mm-hmm. then you better be good at it because you got to eat. Mm-hmm. And I had too many kids not to be able to feed them. Well, when you're making $5,000 a week in your early 20s, in the 60s, you're pretty much good to go. Yeah, yeah, so. It's a great leg up. It was it was a shape of things to come. Yeah. You know, I made more than that with Luther every week. Well, I can only imagine for 16 years. Yeah, yeah. So when that money, when he died, you know, it was all right. Now I need to do something because you get comfortable for 16 years. You know, uh, you yeah. lose a job, you know, and you're used to making that money. You kind of most people don't work in one place for that long. That's it's, yeah. You, you kind of tripping a little bit, especially doing what you're doing. You know. Yeah. Let me ask you this. I don't want to. <clears throat> I do want to actually bring race back into it. So I feel like your experience is very different from most of us because you kind of move in this group of celebrities and you are a celebrity in your own right. So with that said, were you, do you think that your experience was different? Like, do you think that you were, you got it easier because you were rolling in this group and you were known, you know, you're flying first class, you're flying private, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, a lot of my experiences were, were different because when you're when you're rolling with with stars and you get you get treat treated better. Yeah, since you're early, since, you're, since you're late teens, this is all you've yeah, known. But you know, I heard um, an athlete say the other day, you know, when I'm on the field, I'm in the stadium and all that. You see the, you know, you got the name on the back. They, you know, they treat you good. Yeah, you take that uniform off and you're just in the street. Mm-hmm. You're just another one. Mm-hmm. So I've been through that. I've had to get out my Mercedes and lay face first when it's raining. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm smart enough not to talk back to the, the cops. Mm-hmm. The same thing I teach my son Justin. The same thing he's going to have to teach his son Noah. Mm-hmm. Your mom had that conversation with you? No. No one had that conversation with me. We all know the importance of it. And yeah, I've seen, I've seen the police go upside people's heads. Because they're mouthing off. Yeah, I'm like, nah, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. And they will try to provoke you too. Oh, of course. Hey, boy, and hey, nigger, and all. Yeah, I've ta- yeah. I talk about this often on the podcast, and I remember 
vividly when my mom had the conversation with me about how to respond to police, you know? So it's an important conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very necessary one nowadays. And sometimes that don't even matter. No, you're right. You, you know, you get scared, that. you run away, you get shot in the back. It's true. No, it's true. You know, it's called being black in America. Mm-hmm. That's that's a real situation. For your grandkids, do you, do you have hope for them? Do you? I always ask my guests that. Man, I have hope for them, and I pray every day. So you think everything will be okay for them? I don't. I don't know. I know that in a few weeks, this election is real important. Mm-hmm. I know if that goes down, it's it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. But. You know, you asked the question earlier, has things changed? Have they gotten better? No. We're still going through the same thing. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he was talking about how basically things need to be torn down for them to be built, rebuilt and for, for something new to come. So I guess my point with this is that all of this is is for a cause and a purpose and a reason. Do you think that we're seeing more of a fight now you see more white folks um, defending Black Lives Matter. You see more people that are out there in the streets for us. Do you think yeah. this is a bigger and better push? Does that make you feel any better? Um, it gives me better hope because you're not just seeing black folks walking across a bridge getting ate up by dogs. Yeah. You see white, black, Japanese. You're seeing the world in all the cities. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way it's going to change. The whole system has to be teared down. Mm-hmm. You know. So, so then I guess the easier way to ask is: Do you think that this is this is a good thing in a sense? This has to happen. This has to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a damn shame that people have to die, mm-hmm. but that's the only way change comes. Mm-hmm. You know, wars, people die, things change. So we're having war here in the street. Yeah, in the middle of a pandemic. Talk about the importance of protesting. I was again speaking with some people, and a lot of people are confusing protesting with rioting and looting it's two in the same it's the same thing and i'm trying to explain to people protesting there's it's proven that it works talk a bit about the importance of well well it 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 is kind of mixed in there Mm -hmm. um protesting is important but you really don't get anyone's attention until you start burning up shit till you start tearing up stuff you know, so it's a it's one and the same. Yeah. It's one and the same. Now, looting and all of that, I don't I'm not with that. Mm-hmm. But if you just walking up the street protesting, we shall overcome and you ain't burning up shit, they not they're not really looking. Mm-hmm. They got you in a on the street, you walk, you protest, you go home. Yeah. You when you want to get camera time, that's when you see a city burning up. Well, we need to, we need to find a leader. We need to talk to them because we we can have this. Let me ask. It's you a just question. like war. Yeah, let me ask you a question. So, as far as nineteen sixty seven and the riots that you as a kid experienced, what what positive came out of that? Um, not much. But a little bit, something. Not much. That's the hope when when we act, when we act with these actions. Not the hope much. Is that something just a lot change. of a lot of dead black folks. Right. You know, and then. Then it ended up being a lot of corruption in the in the government side of it, or the you know the mayor. We always had black mayors, mm-hmm. and they were always stealing money. Mm-hmm. So they got caught up in that thing, you know. The, Not looking out for the people. No, 
No, not being true to, you know, the cause. But the whole thing has to be be tore down, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, because my whole life, it, it the the biggest change I've seen was when Obama was elected. I was like, all right, something's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Nah. Well, this is what happened. If you really think about yeah, it, this, this is, it. is this is the backlash. Yeah, yeah. You know, Trump came in and gave that forty percent over their license to just say and do what they want to do, mm-hmm. and act like fools. Yeah, yeah. Well, act like they act. Yeah, because a lot of them are not educated. Well, yeah, and a lot of them are just repre- repressing their own anger and looking. It's a classist thing for a lot of them. Yeah, who, who can absolutely. I look down upon? Yeah, I you mean, know? who ever knew there were so many dumbass Americans in this country? Yo, I really didn't. I always had. I didn't. I well, kind of. I mean, I knew that. Like, go ahead. Kind of, you know, playing in the South and not saying that people in the South are dumb. Right. Not at all. It's some of the smartest people I know are from the South. Right. But just ignorant people mm-hmm. that just don't know no better. Willfully ignorant, though. A lot yes. Of them, don't, you know? And just happy being ignorant. Correct. Because it makes them feel better about themselves. As they they don't know no better, to piss in. No, I get it. I understand, I understand to a certain you know, degree so, kind of that the, the, the dynamic that, 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 that comes but out. But this of, is know? rich America. We are supposed to be educated, right? Are you kidding me? We're like uh, 43rd as far as uh, internationally. Are, as we, far as are curriculum. we that stupid? 43. We're 43rd as wow. far as curriculum is concerned. High school equivalency. Yeah. We, and it's, and this, it's been known. You know, we've been the laughing stock of the world for, for quite some time. But right now, it's, uh, we're, like the, we're sitting with a dunce cap on right now. I mean, so we're just fronting though. Well, I think with Donald Trump as our voice, you know, we're forced to front. I mean, what what are we doing to to counteract what's going on? Really, not much of anything. You know, Russian collusion, which I believe in. A lot of the stuff is out of our control, right? Right. We can vote. We all know the power of voting, etc. But you know, and again, that's you know, I'm gonna go moving into a bit of a rant, which I don't want to do. But this is why these conversations are important because people like you who have you know you've you've your life has done a lot of this, but yeah. your highs have been incredibly high. Yeah with your perspective and what you've seen and what you've experienced for the rest of us who've not lived like you can we relax no you can't relax you can't relax the tension is there's more tension right now than i've ever felt in my life ever that scares me there is more tension now than i ever felt in my life i don't know about you the other day i was driving up the street this dude in this big truck Rode up on, on the side of me and went. Here in LA? And I was like, yeah, on Lake. I was like, whoa. Did you I, cut him off or something? No, I didn't do anything. I just stopped. Yeah. I let him go. That's the kind of hate that's rolling around. Yeah. I posted on Facebook a couple of months ago. Some dude rolled up on me and called me a fucking nigger. I remember, I remember, mm. I remember that. There was some road raging going on. You know, I'm not going to adjust it. Yeah, you cut him off, didn't you? And then you flipped him off. No, I didn't do that. Oh okay. no, he's just and he he just was trying to flex on me and trying to get around me, and I wouldn't let him get around me. Wait your turn, bro. It's a two lane road, and as I turn right, you know he's flipping me off with his window rolled down, and I just kind of looked at him and smiled, and that pissed him off. Then he rolled up on me and was about to get out of his car, and I was like, "Oh, this is what we're doing." Yeah, really. Yeah, and you know I work in news again. I had you know my partner with me at the time, and he jumps out of the car ready to tear this dude's face off, and I'm like, "Yo, no, 
We're not, we're not doing that. No, we can't do that because you don't know what they hold. A, we don't know what they're holding, and B, I need to make sure that I'm in control of my actions and emotions at all times. And by me losing my head, it's not good. And then somebody pulls out their cell phone camera as I'm stepping on this guy's head or yeah. vice versa. No, yeah. I'm not yeah. doing that. I like yeah. to be in control of my shit. Um, but so, what you, so as you said, a perfect example of you here in Altadena, Pasadena, and still you're seeing racism blatantly. Yeah. Yeah, it's so knowing it's you stronger now. I would never guess that you would have responded that way. The Byron I know would have talked shit. Yeah, but I I got smarter. Mm-hmm. I you know I hold my tongue to live another day. Mm-hmm. You know because I, I see the craziness and the hate. If you hate a certain race enough to blow them away and go to jail for the rest of your life, and you don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to run across that dude. And they're everywhere. That's not. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to see that dude face to face on the street. Now, if he comes up here on my property, he gonna get, he gonna have a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in the street, nah. Uh-uh. I'll stop. I'll go the other way. I'll 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 run from the fight. Yeah. But if I'm backed in the corner, then you you go have a problem. Oh, and I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. Then there's the Byron. No, that was young Byron. <laughs> there we go. That's the dude I'm looking for. Not, not really. What do you I think about- I grandkids, man. I want to see them. No, I get it. You and know, it's not, not worth it. Go nowhere. It's, it's not worth it. No. Unless somebody's harming you or your family, it ain't worth it. It's not worth it. And I'm writing songs about love. Yeah. And, you know, feeling some kind of way about the way I'm feeling. Let me ask you something. <laughs> You're, we all know he's feeling some type of way always. <laughs> Okay, this is the most serious he's ever been. I can't believe we've gotten this thus far. Well, this you know, far rather. I know you're trying to do something. You're trying to do something to enlighten people, yeah. to do something that makes a difference. Yes. So I'm not going to sit here the whole time and be stupid. I appreciate you. You know, Let me, but I got when two we questions cut for this you. off, I'm a clown. You. I know, I know. And we're going to have a shot of Jameson or something. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. No, it ain't. Um. Okay, hold on. No, we still got some time. We got we got 20 more minutes, and then I'll and then no, we're we don't. Yes. Your I, time is up. I needed you for an hour. Hold on. Stop. 20 more minutes. Can you do that? I done fed you. No, go ahead. Quit playing it. Okay. So <laughs> I my first question, actually, I'll ask this. As far as you being in an interracial relationship, how does that translate to 2020? Everything's fine? You have no? There's no issues from public or people? Or do you see that people are funny towards you guys or what? Oh, there's, there's been an issue the whole time. People, some people don't like to see it. Me and Christine went to... We were in, we went to uh, Lamert Park. Mm-hmm. And this sister walked up to me and she says, so uh, it's not enough of us? In front of it? Yes. <laughs> and my friend Mel, who passed away since then, Mel was from Cleveland, gangster. He walked up behind her and said, bitch, if you don't walk away. And he loved Christine. Uh-huh, obviously. Yeah. You know, and I, and I said a thing the other day, and I'm writing this song called if real love has no color, why does hate have so many colors? Mm. I like that. That's deep. Yeah. That's deep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, color is not an issue in my family. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was full-blooded Irish. Mm-hmm. My mother was half white. My granddaddy was blacker than, blacker than this. <laughs> Reverend Jenkins. Yeah. Like from um, Amen, the show with uh, Sherman Hemsley? 
Just no, playing. No, um, go ahead and then do it there. So, so, and it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because I think that a lot of people that are listening would have assumed that your first reaction to my question would have been white folks giving you shade, but it was black women. White and black. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, because everybody's not colorblind. Yeah, right. You know, I, I've been married three times, mm-hmm. and my last wife is called Canadian, mm-hmm. who had who has a different understanding because in Canada they're not like white folks here right it's different it's mm-hmm. like europe they're not like white folks here mm-hmm. they're educated. it's different not to say that people you all are, are edu- uneducated but yeah no it's just different yeah so well what do you think that's different about it uh the way their parents raised them um you know uh, we know I it's guess, a different way of life up there no i get it and they move know, it's, it's cultural yeah you know uh not being brought up about stories of slavery at the dinner table and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a bunch of things, man. That slavery thing, that, that thing is strong. Yeah. That's the, we're not over that. We're not over that. I don't know if we ever will be, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and to be shot in the streets now, it's, it's bad, man. Mm-hmm. It's bad. And this dude in the White House has to go. Let me ask you this: If you had a solu- if you could try to come up with some sort of solution, wow. uh, it's it just as far as this uh, <clears throat> trying to revise or revamp the police forces. Like, what what change would you make within that? Would you say there needs to be more people of color on the police force? Would you say that there needs to be more sensitivity training? What's missing with the police force? I would make every cop take a lie detector test. Oh, do you hate niggas? Yeah, right. Do you use that word, nigga? Are you, and if they didn't pass that, they couldn't be a cop. And that's simple. It's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why why not do that? Maybe, Maybe it's not legal. I don't know. Well, Maybe it should should be, though. That's another question. But tell the viewers why why you think that that's a good idea. Because there are, in the middle of the police department, they're gangs. Right. They talk about how many... How many of us they gonna get? Right. Now, if they're and they're talking about training, defund them, and all that, no, we got to we got to figure out who we're defunding or who we're training. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in training, you can say one thing and do another thing, mm-hmm. and lie about it. So we need to we need to figure out who's telling the truth, who's wearing that hood late at night. You know I who do. who got the hood on? Yeah. I th- again, very, very cut and dry. Yo, very, very yeah, direct. here's a delay. Hey, you got a hood at home? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you no, you can't be a cop. Thanks for applying. Yeah, thank day. you. See yeah. ya. Good luck to you. Yeah, yeah. I like that solution. Again, there's there's several solutions, but that is if that's that's one. I, I mean, I know that there's some controversy as far as how well lie detector tests work, but again, I think that that is something that makes sense. That is something that can be be applied to a person to to really get inside their head and learn. And to character. everybody, you don't have to. Yeah. You know, black, white, there's some there's some Latin cops that are that are hell on wheels. Totally. Yeah, that will beat the wheels off you if you say the wrong thing. Right. But there are some people who've dedicated their life to getting into the police force just so they could torture our kind. Yeah. Just as simple as that. Yeah. And everything in between. And you know, and then there's always the ones that were in school that got bullied. Mm-hmm. 
and then they, they got a bad. This is their time to get. Oh, now nah, you gonna get your ass whipped. So funny. I was with some friends of mine uh, last month. We were going to a funeral up in the Bay Area, <clears throat> uh, driving in my hometown, and a small incident with the police officer. He happened to be somebody that we went to high school with. Mm-hmm. He didn't remember us, and vice versa. But he flexed on us and was like, "You need to pay your penance and serve your penalty and wait here," because we were trying to get out of a lane to turn left. And so he made us wait while this whole train of cars went around us. He was just serving us, making us serve our penalty. And he never remember who you were. He had no clue. He didn't remember who we, who we were. But <laughs> we saw his last name. No, we just we laughed. Like, look, we were the same <laughs> fool you were in high school. You know what I mean? Um, gun control. What are your thoughts on that? Are you a gun guy? I own a gun here on my property. Okay. Oh, don't worry about it. So, 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 you, so the answer is yes. Yeah, I think that we should have the right to protect ourselves. Do you think I should get a gun? I think you should. I don't think you need to roll one with one in your car, but in your house, if somebody comes in hating on you because of who you are, you should be able to protect yourself. My mom always taught me, you know, you live by the gun, you die by the gun. And if there's one in the house, chances of you dying are just as great as the other person. What well, do you have to say to that? Well, if someone comes in your house with a gun and you don't have one, then you don't have a chance. So, you know, in these, these, these times, you have to give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, their rebuttal is, well, okay, so if somebody breaks in my house, then I have to now go to the closet, put in a key, unlock my safe. You know, by that time, you were already shot, right? No, you got to be smarter than that. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to get to your stuff. That's just an As argument. they say, get to your shit. Okay. All right. Speaking of shit, we got 10 minutes left. I know you got a busy day. You got a lot ahead of you. Um, I always ask my guests this, and I know that I'm kind of catching you off guard, uh, but we like to create some sort of solutions for listeners, right? So a lot of people that I talk to, I'm like, how can we help people kind of combat their own underlining prejudice? Or how can we help people create their own dialogue? What are inner dialogue? So some solutions uh, were like, you know, travel destinations, um, books to read, TED Talks. I think you, you'll probably head towards music, but what, do you, what kind of solutions do you have for people to calm this world down and get people loving on each other a little bit? I think people just, just to say hi to each other, talk more. Mm-hmm. You know, um, now I don't know how to tell a white person that if they've been brought up in their house to hate, but I talk to any and everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I can honestly say there's not a race I hate. I'm colorblind. I don't, I don't hate anybody. Do you, would you say that you have any underlining prejudice? That's. I will have to think about that. That's yeah. interesting. It's a tough question. Most, yeah. yeah. Most people that I yeah. ask usually say okay, and they actually say yeah. Yeah. Do, once they think yeah. about it. I know I do, and those are things I work on. Yeah. Um, you know, I've just been in the world so much, man, and met so many different kind of people. Mm-hmm. Some good people some good German people, Mm -hmm. some good Japanese people, Mm -hmm. some great Portuguese people. Um, You know, so I think you have to be taught to hate. Yeah, yeah. We always circle back on these conversations with uh, talking about the importance of travel and how much you learn from it. It's very important to travel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like I said, the brothers in my hood, some of them brothers have never been on an airplane, train, Never been out the city. If you could pick one destination for those guys, where would it be? Oh. That's tough, right? For them to learn, right? Um, 
That's deep. That's a tough one, right? The first, the first place came with, was like Jamaica, where they can see some other black folks that talk with an accent. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That was your initial. Well, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Or, or London. When I, when I, the first place I went when I left this country was London. Mm-hmm. Patty Labelle took me to London mm-hmm. to play a CBS record convention. Oh wow! And um, put me in the War the Worcester Hotel. Mm-hmm. I had like the Dorchester with Dor- the Dor- yeah yeah that's the one of the baller I had suites. Yeah, I was tripping. The Dorchester is like five seasons. You know that already. Yeah, I've been there. And I was talking to a brother, and he was talking with that accent. I was like, "Why do you why do you sound like that?" <laughs> As you're in his backyard. Yeah, what? Yeah, what you, you all right, bro? Oh, uh, you're funny. Yeah. So um, to hear brother speak with another accent, you know. It's mind-blowing. It was deep. And then I've met some brothers that can't speak English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to South Africa. It was deep. Couldn't speak English. And then I learned and that's about the, the stuff that people need to see. Go on. Yeah, the, South about? Africa would be a good place probably twenty years ago mm-hmm. because they have the blacks, the coloreds. What are the coloreds? The coloreds are they're different. They're a different race of black people. Are we? Would we be the coloreds? We would be coloreds. Gotcha. I never heard this. Yeah, um, they got the blacks, the coloreds, and. The colors more accepted by the the white folks. Mm-hmm. It's deep. Well, it sounds very American. Yeah, and the blacks rob the white folks, and they kill the colors if you get in the way. Damn, jeez, these are Africans. Yeah, but this was back in the day. Yeah, when when Mandela was locked up. Uh huh. I played. I went to. I did the black. I did the African American African Summit. In South Africa. And Bill Clinton was there. Um, who else? Uh, what was the, the attorney that got OJ off? Oh, Kardashian? No. Um, no, the brother. Johnny died. Cochran. Johnny Cochran. Jesse Jackson. Wow. We all had dinner in Mandela's guest house. You got to eat with these folks? Yes. All right, hold on. So let me ask you this. So, <laughs> so out of your 66 years of living and out of all this cool shit you've done, what's the most memorable? Is it that? What's the one story? Is it I, that? I don't know if I have one. Man, that one. Are you kidding me? That one right there. Yeah, I did that. I played, I played a stadium in South Africa with Luther Vandross where we had army escort to get in and out. And in front of the escort, you could see the, the, the blacks coming out from the side of the road, robbing the white folks crazy. It was crazy. As you're rolling up to perform, you're seeing yes. all this mayhem. Crazy. I also played in in East Germany before the wall came down. Oh wow, that was crazy. What was the energy like? Kind it of it was it's dark. It was awful. Thought. Dark cold. Yeah, cold. But they love jazz. Mm-hmm. Dark cold. And they took us from the venue to the hotel, and they told us, do not walk out the hotel and walk on the street. You'll get arrested or you'll die. Oh, you'll die. Right. Yeah. And some of the brothers were, were sneaking in white girls and stuff. Got arrested. So you got arrested? No. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going there. No, um, I, it's, it's, I, I've seen a lot of stuff in different parts of the world. And this is why I wanted to come talk with you. I wanted to, A, kind of reintroduce you to some people that don't know you as far as you musically and what a brilliant man you are, but also your story and your perspective. So this is mind-blowing. All right, so destination to travel to, South Africa, Jamaica, and London. Go to Cape Town. I went to, I went to Soweto mm-hmm. and was in the church where when those people came out their church, they got slaughtered. You were there for that? No, I went there, I went there with Jesse Jackson and Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. You know, and was actually in that church all day, man. I, was, I couldn't wait to leave. Mm-hmm. But um, they had a big ceremony, everybody talked. Um, Mandela's wife was one of the speakers. I met her. She was sitting at the table where I was having dinner. Have you ever journaled or do you ever think about writing a book? I I think about it. I haven't seriously done it yet. You should consider it. Yeah, I'm still living. Well, you better hurry up. <laughs> All right, folks. And with that Let's said, go. I'm just playing. You know I love you. Um, so again, well, you know, I guess let's wrap it up. You've got a lot going on. Going to let you get back to what you're doing. Thank you so much for letting me into your home and your studio. Well, it's good to see you after five, six years of not seeing you. That's all right. You'll see more of me. Yeah. And you know, really? the, the 10 okay. freeway does, okay. there's two ways, east and west on the 10 freeway. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Works like a phone. Just playing. I love you. You can uh, tell me where you live later. <laughs> Well, I love you. We love you. You know the drill. Uh, Take care of yourselves and each other. A big thanks to Byron Miller. Look him up. Find him. Spotify, iTunes, Google, etc. He's got much more for you as well as I do. ByronMillerCycleBase.com There you go. That's a wrap for us. I am absolutely confident that you continue to do your part. Thank you for listening to another episode of Do Your Part. I work at staying awake. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Stay connected with Brian Gallo through social media at Do Your Part Podcast or visit doyourpartpodcast.com.